For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Is this a book about chess? This is incredible. What is this? Is this some kind of instructional guide to chess? This is incredible. Oh, what's this move called the Jewish serpent? (laughs) What is that? I don't think that is a chess move. Pawns of the game? I don't think this has got anything to do with chess at all. This is about the Bavarian Illuminati. Oh, Oh, man. I love the Bavarian Illuminati the way they're all covered in salt. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everybody. I have been hanging out with Henry and hanging out with Marcus. And today is a special day because the triad is actually together in the flesh. And yes, Big Dog Z. Big Dog Z. We have never said that before to each other, but apparently we've said that now. I'm having a kitty cat pee. Hi. What are you? Uh, John Candy from JFK. <laughs> yes. Yes, you Come are. Come over here, big boy. Yes, you are. All right. Today's episode, I guess this Ooh. man has been in our brains for over a decade. Yeah. And now we are going to uh, put him in your brain. And I'm sorry, <laughs> we are discussing Mike Warnke. Mike Warnke was one of the accidental architects of the satanic panic that swept America in the 80s and 90s. Instead of just being a fearmonger, though, Warnke actually claimed to have been a former satanic high priest who'd participated in numerous ritual murders, assaults, and rapes during the mid-60s. I'm going to say, even though I know Rodney Alcala's crimes are far worse than Mike Warnke. Sure. I liked Rodney better. (laughs) Mike Warnke, upon now, fully getting chaffed down into his bullshit. Uh Uh-huh. I I absolutely hate Mike Warnke, but Mike Warnke is a man that has followed Last Podcast on the Left throughout our entire existence. (laughs) We showed a video of his. uh, Was it one of, I think the first ever show at the Creek in the Cave. Way back in the day. And we've been obsessed with him. Yeah. For a very long time. As a matter of fact, he has worked his way into most of the inside jokes that we have as three men that, yes. that, that we don't even offer to you Airport? as listeners. Airport? 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 You'll never understand it because technically he misspoke <laughs> and we've just been saying airport like airport ever since. For years. But then when you go into, I also did, I did not understand how much he served mm-hmm. as an instigator and as a beginner mm-hmm. of the satanic panic of the 80s. Yep. Absolutely. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with the Satanic Panic, it was basically the prototype for QAnon. 
The proponents of this movement believed with a 100% certainty that America was infested with satanic cults who were committing ritualistic murders and molesting children in the name of the Dark Lord on an almost daily basis. And we know that Satanists love MILFs. We <laughs> yeah. know this. And MILFs. <laughs> you know, can they be half right? Hmm. I do think the Bush family has done some crimes. Yeah, <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, the Bush family for yeah. certain. Every single person that has become president has done horrible, horrible, unspeakable things and have seen unspeakable things. That's how you get the job. Ooh. Stop bringing Satan into it. Satan has nothing, nothing to, to fucking do, with, do with, it. with it. All right. As a matter of fact, they're all the ones who they all the ones who kneel at church every fucking weekend and act like it's a. This is. This is a hot topic for me. <laughs> this is like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to come in too hard here. The one because... thing I will say about the evangelicals, they nixed the kneeling, which is very nice. Bad mm. knees. <laughs> the Catholics, they still do it. Yeah, they do, because like they, it's almost like they have to practice. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. And while there was never a single shred of hard evidence for any of these claims, beyond some spray-painted pentagrams, <laughs> dozens of people were still charged with horrific crimes backed by false testimony and hearsay, the most famous of which being the West Memphis Three. Which is ironically a Halloween series I believe that we did two years ago, mm -hmm. so it is interesting that we somehow got to October time again and are back into the murky waters of satanic ritual abuse. Very true. Now, personally, I think that satanic panics throughout history, of which there have been dozens if not hundreds, these basically come from crises of faith in the existence of God. See, Christianity, Ben, you know this. Mm -hmm. It's set up where the worst, most unforgivable, hell-bound sin you can commit outside of suicide is not believing in the Christian God. Yep. Ergo, an involuntary crisis of faith for many Christians is pretty much the scariest thing that can happen. Uh, small caveat, the white Christian God. Please, Marcus, <laughs> get the pigmentation correct. He was he looked Polish, but he was in the Middle East. <laughs> but it is interesting because I was getting into Mike Warnke's later works. He now he is now posting back regularly again on YouTube. And I bet hopefully we get to him. Mm. Honestly, I hope he mentions us. Uh, but he talks about this. Uh, he doesn't believe in this idea that I guess there's an esoteric Christian kind of like Hail Mary pass in the back of the Bible mm. called absolute reconciliation, which is actually saying that God's grace is so absolute and so powerful. He could choose to forgive the devil and bring the devil to heaven if he wants to. At any point, he, he could, could give do him it. a pardon. He can. He wow. can bring them all back and bring everybody into the fold. But he doesn't. Because just like a real fucking piece of shit, he wants you to choose it. Yeah. Well, yeah. you do know it's all fake, right? No, of course. <laughs> because you're sounding like I'm talking about the Packers. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. Okay. You watch the Packers with the same intensity but as they... I dislike God. Packers are real. Yes. Okay. Well, concerning the satanic panic, if you can convince yourself that the devil is real, manifested on earth through his many minions, then it makes believing in God that much easier, and therefore your crisis in faith is solved. Mm -hmm. Or, as Anton LaVey put it, Satan is the best friend the church has ever had. He's I'll been never, keeping him in business all these years. I'll right. never forget when I was growing up and I, uh, I said, I don't believe in the devil. And people got very, very mad at me because in the binary world of Christianity, without the devil, God can't exist. So my dad sat me down and was like, Satan is real. And I was like, this is kind of cool. Because <laughs> the idea is that you can't just live a life where you just do good acts for the sake of it. No way, shape, or form, right? You have to have like some evil goalkeeper on the other side keeping you in. Some kind of referee, some kind of bullshit. That fear is supposed to keep you in. 
right? Sure. You're supposed to be afraid of the devil and not want to defy God. Yeah. And if the devil is on earth in the form of satanic cults, then God is keeping you in check in real time. Mm. Right. And it's almost like they say a bunch of crimes that, as a matter of fact, they're guilty of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, in the last satanic panic, the thing that gave the movement its oomph was the testimony of supposed former members of satanic cults. And these people were all too happy to go on TV saying that these allegations of ritualistic murder were true. And everyone from Oprah to Geraldo to 2020 took them at their word because why? It was good television. You know, I got to say, if I'm going to be killed, put a little performance into it. Everyone's yeah. like ritualistic murder. Like it's worse than just popping someone in the back of the head with a gun. At least somebody <laughs> thought me, about it. At least, least there was I some want, pre-pro. There was props. There was costumes. I want a chalice. Yep. I want a robe. Mm-hmm. I want a dagger. <laughs> I want like some finesse and some pizzazz in my murder. Don't just leave me on the side of the damn road like I'm Ed Kemper's roadkill. I kind of want to do one of those dead switch things where I, just for the sake of the spectacle, I have a bunch of explosives rigged with confetti put under Underneath my wheelchair. Oh. And then what you do is you put me out into a field, right? And then just as I'm about to die, and I go, bye-bye. And then as my heart slowly stops, the fucking wheelchair explodes. I think that's great. It's wonderful. But while many of the people who came forward as so-called leaders in the satanic scene in the 80s did so in books, interviews, and even comic books in the form of chick tracks. Oh my God, those are batshit. Yep. We'll get to chick tracks next episode. Yay. By the way, there's no naked women in it, so don't think that there will be. <laughs> no, but there is a the, the ab-ridden bod of white Christ, though. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mike Warnke's medium for delivering his message was stand-up comedy. And thank <laughs> Satan that he did this. Now, this is, uh, I think it's interesting, right? Because this is the first time we've ever covered a comedian. Yeah. On last podcast on the left. Um, Let's see. Final Truth. That guy was kind of funny. Oh, like the whole <laughs> bit he wrote about how he fucked a baby to death in the back of a car? Yeah. That wasn't the funny part. <laughs> but this guy is, it's, it's weird to be coming at him because we've enjoyed him ironically for so long. Yeah. And I didn't get the full press hate of him until I really started listening to his albums. But there's some gold in there. Yeah. <laughs> He's a cool guy and he lets you know it. Well, here's a clip of Warnke's lighter material. It's it's the sugar that makes the medicine go down. Mm. You know what? I tell you, man, <laughs> weird people worry about things that normal people don't worry about too, you know? Like for example, why do people drive on parkways and park on driveways? Oh, my God. What is daylight savings time? And if we're saving so much of it, who's got it all? Gonna die. How do you know when yogurt's gone bad? The expiration date. Pretty simple. How do you get Teflon to stick to a skillet when nothing sticks to Teflon? These are the questions. You don't see How hard would it be to nail Jello to a wall? Inquiring minds want to know, you know? There you go. That's a big bit for him, man. And then he just, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) maybe I'm triggered because I see a lot of me in there. Yeah. You know, I actually don't think it's any worse than Bill Ingvall. Well, because there's no. I'm I'm sorry, Kissel, just because you said that. Here's your sign. (laughs) Oh, man. 
time. Yeah. Because there are there's no joke structure to it whatsoever. He's simply asking questions, but he doesn't have a punchline. Mm-hmm. Well, these are all Gallagher ripoff jokes. Mm-hmm. The Parkway driveway bit, that was a fucking Gallagher bit. Gallagher. I, I remember that. That was written in a book that Gallagher read, and then he said it on stage, and he's like, I made it different. Gallagher just exploded watermelons. That was the only original thing that he actually did. And his idea for replacing taxis with helicopters. <laughs> yes. But Mike Warnke's trick was to tell those hacky bits first, then gradually work his way into the evils of Satanism, segueing from parkway driveway bits into claims of brutal satanic ritual abuse. We investigate between 25 and 30 cases every single month. And 98% of the victims are under the age of 12. I'm talking about a little girl who was murdered last year, 1987, in the state of Louisiana by having her sexual organs cut out while she was still alive. A lot of you think that when a Satanist kills, they do so because they want to spill blood. You've seen enough late-night movies to think that. But if a Satanist or any other kind of occultist kills an animal or a human sacrifice, it's not to spill blood, it's to release the life force. Because when the life force is released and you've done the right incantations and rituals, you can absorb that force, they say, and it makes you a stronger wizard, warlock, or whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> and that's his closer. That's not even a that is not even a bit. He closes like this, and as you'll see as he gets older and his stand-up albums get worse, he goes farther and farther away from comedy and more into straight up preaching. Yeah. Now, this juxtaposition between goofy bits and horror movie gore made Mike Warnke America's number one Christian comedian for years. Wow. He was a bestseller in the evangelical media with numerous records, tapes, books, and videos. I did not know how successful he was. Yeah. Like, he had a private jet. He was all over the world. He still, he got taken down in the mid-90s. According to what I looked up online, he's still worth, like, $1.5 $1.5 million. Jesus. He's the war. That's the warky magic. Well, I guess you just got to live wherever the hell he lives to do it. It's like, you know, when you look at House Hunters or one mm-hmm. of those shows, being like, look, for $450,000, you can have a bowling alley in your house. Meanwhile, you're like in Lynchburg, Arkansas. Like, it's not even Arkansas. Well, who wouldn't want a bowling alley in their house? They can be like Richard Nixon. Yeah. Well, Warnke spent 20 years giving sold-out performances at churches and civic centers all over the country, reaching such heights of fame that the mayor of Nashville and the governor of Tennessee jointly named June 29th, 1988, Mike Warnke Day. It's Warnke Day, everybody. That's where you wear your underwear and your head. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm a little bit weird. I'm a little (laughs) bit weird. That's his whole bit. That's his opening bit is like 10 minutes of, well, yeah, because, okay, could Henry, could you describe Mike Warnke's appearance? Mike Warnke looks like a pig that just came back from the salon. He has a little, he's a fat man's mustache, like the tiny, just covers the top of his lips. Yeah. Round eyeglasses, so he kind of looks like the funky penguin. Co- Coke bottle glasses, Coke too. bottle glasses, because he's near blind. Yeah. Uh, and then he has what can only be described the single most extreme mullet 
of all time. But with but a fantastic perm. It is it very, really is hours very and bouncy. hours in the salon. It's, it's very teased. Thick. It's, te- it's te- definitely teased out. Very much so. It looks like, you know, those old, uh, those battery commercials, the Energizer Buttery commercials where they have the plastic hair. Yeah. It's kind of like that, but like, but it's tenuous. It's free flowing. It's like it's 3D printed. But he's. Oh, and don't forget the earring. And he has his earring because his whole thing, right? It's that Mike Warnke. He's a little bit different. He his is superpower, a He says, my superpowers, I'm weird. He is and weird. And so he's things like, he, he, every time he opens up, he's just like, he's like, y'all, if we weren't all John together by the power of Christ, would we be in the same room together? I see you right there. Short hair, huh? You'd look at me and be like, who's that funky character? Who's that? <laughs> like, he acts like he's Dave Navarro. You know what I mean? And everyone's right. looking at him like, wow, who's this crazy guy? Like, yeah. he's a, who? no one dresses like him. No one ever tucks their shirt into their pants like that. <laughs> but they all, it's always a setup of he's like, I understand the young people. Yeah. He's kind of the prototype for the cool pastor. Oh, absolutely like, he is. Because absolutely. his whole thing is that he's he's the only one... He says things like it is. Uh-huh. In kind of a funny way. He's He ribs you. He ribs you. He's got some deacon coming in there, deacon in, and he deeks in. I don't know how he got in there, deacon. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's how he also keeps kind of that. That's how he also keeps the facade going because he tells all these people in his audience, like the types of people I get, these Satanists, they don't come to you. They come to people like come me because I'm weird. Because I'm, look, I'm looking weird. So, because, you know, these people are, you know, they're not all idiots. They're asking, like, if there's so many Satanists, then why aren't any of us seeing any of them? But he's there to tell you, like, oh, they're out there. They just don't come to you. They come to me. Yeah, he would have been trust really, me. me. It yeah. would have been cool if he was in that Primus video. Why not on his big brown brown beaver? Yeah. I mean, he is a character, and if he wasn't such a sociopath, I would like to see him on Young Sheldon. Yeah, <laughs> because I think that Young Sheldon could learn from him. But yeah. what he did and what he stood for caused countless amounts of damage yeah. and laughter. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we're the same in Isn't a way. That nice. Now, Warnke began his rise to fame in 1972 when he published a book called The Satan Seller, which worked as a memoir of his alleged time as a high priest at the altar of Satan. In this book, he claimed that he was asked to join a secret, all-powerful satanic cult in 1965. And as he descended into drug addiction, heroin speed, and so on, he ascended the satanic ranks. And at his most powerful, he claimed that he commanded 1,500 Satanists across three Southern Californian cities. Yeah, man. Try to get three Satanists to agree where to go for fucking lunch. (laughs) They're all, we're all individual spirits. We only care about our fucking territories. We we don't go to group functions all the time. We're kind of like, we're small function people. Yeah, hard Mm -hmm. to get along with. Yes. Yeah. Warnke wrote that he had unlimited wealth and power at his disposal, provided naturally by members of Satanism's highest echelon, the Illuminati. <gasps> cool. But after- That's where the Jewish serpents come in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. But after an incident in which he almost lost his life, Satanism lost its flavor. Mm. Sounds like he was fucking weak. <laughs> Couldn't handle know. the heat. Maybe. Warnke finally heard the good news while in Navy boot camp and thereafter became a tireless warrior of Christ, spreading the word about the satanic cults who lurked behind every dark corner and in every shadow. According to Mike Warnke, Satanists were everywhere, and they were coming for you, and especially your children. No, leave my children alone. Most of us are child-free by choice. Mm -hmm. But if you just listened to Warnke's albums, read his books, and bought tickets to his shows, 
then you just might be a little more prepared to survive in the dark satanic jungle that is America. But again, how the fuck does Teflon stick to the pan <laughs> if nothing sticks to Teflon? He already got it. He already got <laughs> Kissel. Kissel's in the folder. And- I need to go back and hear him talk again. <laughs> and people bought the pitch. Warnke's media sold in the millions, and he became not only a regular guest on Christian outlets like the 700 Club mm-hmm. and Focus on the Family, mm-hmm. but Ugh. he was the go-to source for mainstream news outlets like Larry King Live and 2020 when they needed a source to back up their stories on the dangers of Satanism. The one thing I have to give some credit to for the 700 Club is Pat Robertson is still doing it, and when yeah. you look at him initially... He is like 87 pounds of sludge in a suit, <laughs> and it is incredible that man can still talk. Yeah. That just shows you the power of hate. Yeah, his, his <laughs> the evil that runs through him gets him up every morning. And those 2020 uh, specials where Mike Warnke is interviewed, I mean, this stuff is infuriating because yes. they say every like three minutes or so, like, there's no evidence to substantiate any of these claims. But then they'll immediately flip around and talk about every single thing that these people are saying like it is 100% real. But just every once in a while, no evidence. Remember, no evidence. Hmm. But because that's how they get you legally. Yep, legally. Okay. Perhaps most disturbing was the fact that this media attention gave Mike Warnke enough clout where he eventually advised law enforcement on (laughs) so-called occult crimes, which probably resulted in the harassment of a lot of people just trying to live their fucking life. I think that's the part of him that obviously is the creepiest part and the worst part of this is the fact that he did have policemen's ear and that he did talk to Mm -hmm. uh, many. He talked to the FBI because this was also during the 80s when they had their occult crimes bureau. They created a whole department for occult crimes, and he got to go and educate all of these people on total horseshit. And also, Mm -hmm. again, you have the entire power of the FBI, and you still couldn't figure out how Teflon sticks to the paint. (laughs) They couldn't do it. There's no way that they're ever going to figure it out. But that is the only thing that makes this story truly infuriating. If he just stuck to stand up, I would say, great. Do whatever the fuck you want. Go fill out all the arenas in the world. But it turned all of this bullshit into reality for anyone who was incarcerated Mm -hmm. because some officer thought that they were wearing the wrong color clothes. This was like the beginning of like, this is also, you know, it's a fun combo with the war on drugs and shit like that. We're just smelling marijuana on you. They can just fucking scoop you up and do whatever it is they want to. If you show up with a fucking pentagram in 1987, you're now compounded for occult crimes. You know what I mean? Like that's also too, like we're going to the the witch police are here. (laughs) I'll tell you one thing. The only thing the occult people are guilty of is reading too much. No. They love to read. That's the thing about cults that no one ever re- remembers. It's all reading. It's all reading. Ben, don't be so open-minded. Your brains fall out. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's good stuff. Well, personally, I think Warnke's stories were so terrifying that a lot of people just didn't want to take the chance that he wasn't telling the truth. Dude, that's my least favorite argument for people who are mm-hmm. like, well, what if it's real? And be like, I don't it, want to live not, my, though. You're based just saying, on heaven, right? So they mm. say, well, you never know. What if heaven is real? And then you better follow all the rules. It's like, but there's a great chance it's not. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is that without Mike Warnke, Satanic panic wouldn't happen. No. You but, don't think so? No, I do this not is, think so. It is really strange because I didn't really understand how instrumental he was yeah. as, a, as a part of this. His, because of the combination, 
of stand-up comedy. His silly little comedy mixed with his testimony because his whole thing was that that's how he, the, the crux was, I'm the silly, funny, quirky guy, but it's because I went through all of this shit because yeah. I went through the valley of the shadow of death. They came out here and I and I put a needle in my fucking arm and, yeah. I, and I signed a contract with the devil. But then, the, it, but it amplified it because yeah. of that, that secret sauce mixture. Mm-hmm. I do love that yeah, maybe he's, I mean, mildly all-powerful, the devil or God, but you still have to sign the contract, don't you? You still yeah. got to sign You still got to go through still the legal lawyers. paperwork. Yeah. You still got to. And that's the thing is that Mike Warnke is nothing, if not convincing, at least to the people who went and saw his shows. See, that clip earlier, talking about the child's sex organs being cut out, that was just part of a larger bit. It was the end of an hour and 15 minute long set, which I watched all of. And technically it's his best set. It's his closer. <laughs> no, I, I mean, that was like part, like that was a part of a whole story that he told in which that same child had her heart removed and eaten in a satanic communion before her skin was peeled off her skull so said skull could be used in further satanic rituals. Oh my God, who would ever think about eating the flesh of somebody during communion? <laughs> that is disgusting. Ah, yes. Well, that's what it always, that's every. Every time that they talk about eating, you know, doing some sort of cannibalism during satanic rituals, it's always a perversion <gasps> of communions. Well, it, that's, it's well, always a perversion. Because, you know, there is the little bits of fact. The Black Mass in the satanic Bible was written as a perversion of the Catholic Mass. But in my mind, when you do read it, it's more of a parody. Now, they're making fun of the Mass and they are using the imagery of the Mass as a way to, like, have fun. You got a naked chick there as the altar. I mean, that's fun. We're mm-hmm. having fun here. To be fair, they're not the funniest bunch. No. Satanists um, do have a problem with being too serious. serious. That's why, that's what I've been fighting against it. I think that the Anton LaVey Church of Satan, the COS, is more appropriate because then, where's the costumes? You really really are the Warnke of Satanists. (laughs) You're bringing a little sugar to it, aren't you? I'm Tony the Tiger of Satanists. (laughs) But that really is the reaction that Warnke was playing with. All the fire and brimstone preachers, he has a little fun with it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he goes gore, like full gore with it. Like over and over. Over and and over he doesn't again. know that he's accidentally doing satanic principles. If you read the satanic witch, you know that's the whole thing. The whole thing is that you get engagement with human beings by presenting as one way and then saying, but actually, I'm this way. So it's like, I'm this goofy guy, but actually, I'm super serious and I went through all of this you know, shit. He mm-hmm. may have actually thought about that. Oh, definitely. I do think he's a sociopath oh, to dude. the degree where he probably was... Probably understood that duality a little I, bit. He ob- accidentally absorbed occult lessons. I know that he did. Yeah. If you look at his shit and the way he talks about it, especially the book that was one of his main inspirations, which is Pawns on the Chessboard or whatever, Pawns on the Board, I forget what it's called. Pawns of the Game. Yeah, Pawns, Pawns on the, of the game, game, which I was unfortunately, I unfortunately read. Mm-hmm. You you can see that there is <laughs> stuff in there that he does understand. I can use these manipulation tools. Oh, right. yeah, and there are multi, I mean, there's one of his four wives uh, said that, you know, he did a lot. Of research into the occult. Of course. A lot. Had to, because he had to learn how to talk the talk so Mm -hmm. that he could sell it to cops. So he could waddle the walk. (laughs) (laughs) And predictably, once Warkey got big enough to have his own ministries, which by his claim had about 30 employees by one point, Mm -hmm. he began telling tales of kids who had been abused by Satanists so badly that they were catatonic and couldn't you good folk spare a few dollars to help these poor victims of Satan. And you know there's no reason why. I don't need a private plane because how else am I supposed to get all my different concerts? Because that's the only thing that makes me mad is that he calls his shows concerts. Yeah, and it's I hate been that. like you only have a concert if you have a fucking cello, all right? If you have something like no, you do a comedy show. He has the mullet. 
So maybe for concerts, I feel like he's got a concert hairstyle. He (laughs) he takes a lot of time on it. Now there was a big problem with Mike Warnke's claims. You may not be surprised to hear this, but every single thing that Mike Warnke ever claimed about being a satanic high priest was a complete and total fabrication. No, no way. What? After decades of going unquestioned by anyone, Mike Warnke finally drew the attention of a Christian publication called Cornerstone, which was just coming off of the successful debunking of a satanic panicker named Laurel Rose Wilson. And Cornerstone is owned by an agency named Japusa which is Jesus People of USA, that we will get into next episode. Mm-hmm. That is also heavily guilty of crimes. Yeah. Oh my God, I love the acronym JAPUSA. Yeah, yeah I hate it. I fucking absolutely hate it. Wow, it sounds like you went to the doctor and they found out you had eight dicks. And they're like, I'm sorry, you have it's JAPUSA. Wilson, going under the name Lauren Stratford, had written a book in 1988 called Satan's Underground. This is the first takedown of the satanic panickers that Cornerstone did. And that book... Lauren Stratford claimed to have been a breeder for a satanic cult. What a breeder was that she gave birth to babies who could then be sacrificed in blood rituals. Yeah, oh, so you it's the know Gushin they... side, and then they make they make new bullets. Yeah. She was talking about Maltese. She was talking about breeding <laughs> little dogs. Everyone knows Satanists like little dogs so they can hold them. It's yeah, true. that's really like. Say, yeah, yeah, come a tick, a tick. By her account, she'd given birth to three children against her will. Two of them were killed in snuff films while the third was sacrificed in her presence during one of those aforementioned satanic rituals. Stratford also claimed to have been in a lesbian relationship with Virginia McMartin, who was one of the plaintiffs in the infamous McMartin preschool trial, which stood at the center of the satanic ritual abuse firestorm. Which is also, you're seeing tropes here that are going to be used by all of these pieces of shit. Yeah. Which is this idea of they see another story in the news that gets a lot of play, and then they hook on to it. They mm-hmm. hook on to things that they see in the public. say, oh, and I'm also a part of this. Yeah. I'm also, no, I'm also a part of the McMartin well, School case as well. And I think that's the seed of truth that then obviously they they blossom into this conspiracy flower. Yeah. But of course, people are abused. And of all course, those things yeah. really do happen. Absolutely. It's just the way that they took it. It uh, manipulated it and, dare I say, caused so much confusion that it didn't help people who were actually abused whatsoever. Now yeah. we know for a fact with the what we know about Jeffrey Epstein and all that kind of shit is that we know that these types of circles of child abuse and stuff do happen Absolutely. in the halls of the elite. But the thing well, is, they, I mean, it's in the halls of the elite and the basements of every it, 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 it can be in the suburbs, it can be in schools. It's uh, a yes. universal problem. But also you could see how they took all of these things. Again, it's the classic thing of. I will say, I'm just going to give you my crimes Mm -hmm. because more of those crimes happen within the shield of the church than have ever happened. The fucking uh, at the TST. Well, Why the fuck would anybody even want Jello nailed to the wall? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, not would you, like, would you want to look at it? I just I, don't get it. I don't, I don't even know it. what this. I don't know what the statement is. Well, the McMartin preschool trial. There was a lot more going on in that. Even it was way outside of the church. Actually, that's a whole different thing. We did a little series on satanic ritual abuse that had nothing to do with the They're church. Burning in my <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was at like the, that's the kind of scary thing about it is that like it's not just the church. It's not just these people that are uh, like saying like that are projecting shit on there like set like the McMartin preschool trial it kind of happened by accident Mm. it's very very strange it's a very interesting case but yeah go back and listen to our old 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 satanic ritual abuse episodes for more on that okay once Cornerstone started looking into Lauren's story 
they found that she'd never been pregnant even once, much less three times. Stolen valor. Yeah. <laughs> that is, honestly, it's a good point. Instead, they found a pattern of chronic lying and disturbing behavior, which, as you'll see, is the hallmark of everyone who claimed to be a part of this non-existent satanic cult scene. In a funny little postscript to Lauren's story, before we get back to Mike Warnke, she resurfaced in 1999, claiming to be a Holocaust survivor named Laura Grabowski. Wow, the grifter's gonna grift. Yeah, man. Jesus, that's true stolen valor. Yeah, she scammed. Oh my God. She scammed thousands of dollars in donations and in the process befriended another person claiming to be a Holocaust survivor named Benjamin Wilkermirsky. This is called when yes and goes wrong. Yes. yes. And when improv can be used yeah. as a weapon of mass destruction. May I ask where both of them lying about it? Yes. yes. <laughs> then I honestly did not know we were going to cover a love story today. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that is true. The cutest, that's true love. That is the cutest thing ever. Works Wait out. a second. I'm a Holocaust survivor you can just, too. You can just see them rubbing off the numbers at the end of the night. Be like, yours is fake too? Oh, oh my God. Come oh. here, please. Mangala. They weren't even Jewish. Oh my <laughs> God. That is so unbelievably offensive. But the point here is that these people and their ilk were the contemporaries of Mike Warnke. So when Cornerstone began investigating America's number one Christian comedian, they found a past that couldn't have been more at odds with his claims of being a super cool satanic high priest. Instead of the fucking far out freaky badass that Wernke claimed to be, Cornerstone found a nerdy, irritating, yeah, pathological liar. <laughs> and it's that story that we'll be telling over the course of the next two episodes, in addition to Wernke's rise and Wernke's fall. And we got a couple other shitheads in there, too, we're going to cover, which hey. I'm really excited for. We're going to really get deep into some of the people that I dislike the most. Yep. Oh, yeah. Right. Any of you uh, out there that are fans of Chick Tracks, we're going to be getting oh. into that shit next episode. Yikes. And the source for all of that fucking Dungeons and Dragons bullshit. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, the Cornerstone article was expanded into a book called Selling Satan by John Trott and Michael Hertenstein. And that will also work as our main source for this series. And while it is written from a decidedly Christian perspective, it's still a solid takedown of one of the most successful con artists of the 80s. And I actually think the fact that it is from the Christian perspective in this case gives it validity. Yeah. Because the Christians are, they do clean house every now and again. Um, But of course, now the multi-billion dollar industry that... uh, that mega churches provide. You oh, know, no, there's really nothing possible, they can do yeah. anymore. It, but. It's not not a main tenet of Mike Warnke's every single thing that he says that uh, that he rails against Christian gatekeepers mm. all the time. Because how dare they come for him? Yeah. He's against the industry. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. But really, once I started thinking about it, I'm not quite sure that con artist is the right label here. Yeah. Nor do I think con artist is the right label for Laurel Rose Wilson. See, while Mike Warnke certainly is a liar, we'll see that Mike just like other so-called former Satanists will cover, is pathological in his lying. He lies because he can't help it. I think he's got something close to antisocial personality disorder. I mean, like, I'm not going to, I don't know how to diagnose him or whatever, but his lies are compulsive. They come from the inside, and he doesn't know how to not lie. All he does is lie. Mm -hmm. But then... Where the con man part comes from is, again, let's say his superpower is not being weird. Let's say his superpower is he's a fucking liar. Mm -hmm. And then what he has figured out is with his natural inclination to lie, he learns, I can also make millions of dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. Is it, do you think that the, was the tail wagging the dog at all? Like once he got the first laugh, yes. and as comedians and performers, we know that first laugh. It's the only thing I crave. You you chase it, right? Without a doubt. 
so to some degree, he was also, it was a feedback loop, perhaps. Yes. Well, I mean, we'll get fully into his story, but there, the reason why he started talking about Satan was not because he figured this is how I'm going to make a lot of money. The reason why he started talking about Satan is because it was the first time people started believing his bullshit. And again, yeah. Oprah was doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So this were. was mainstream in many ways. And I also, I'm going to say, I know Henry hates the church. And then Catholicism. <laughs> I'm not going to try to hit it too hard because the, it's mostly. Well, you just, love Catholicism. I mean, it, I'm, 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 it's the opinion side of it. It's very interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. Uh, but it is. Uh, I'm a. It's more. Like I'm obsessed with Catholicism, but I do not support it. Right. Yeah. But this is the type of shit where I. No matter what you believe in. This guy's a shithead. Yeah. Absolutely, of <laughs> and course. For many more reasons besides just being a liar. Yeah. Absolutely. But what's fascinating about this is that the mental illnesses of people like Mike Warnke and Laurel Wilson, they were the pebbles in the avalanche of satanic fear that we still deal with. Today, we've got QAnon, who simply replaced Mike Warnke's Illuminati with a three-headed monster of the deep state, Democrats, and the Hollywood elite. I mean, remember in our Plague series... It was like the same shit then, too. You got the same recycled conspiracy theories about the baby eating and all that kind of shit. Well, Mike Warnke was the one who woke it back up. Yeah. Mm. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. 
Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. And while Warnke is by no means the murderer and rapist that he still claims to be. Remember, he <laughs> lied about being a murderer and a rapist. Like, yeah. He said that, he's like, well, I'm different now. It was yeah. such a strange time where that was a career builder. Yeah. 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 His refusal to take responsibility for his own mental illness resulted in untold amounts of misery for thousands of people who didn't toe the line of evangelical Christianity. Mm. So, without further ado, let's explore the life of Mike Warnke, both <laughs> through the testimonies of people who were actually there during the time he claims to have been a Satanist, and through the versions Warnke tells in his books and stand-up specials. It's a Warnke! <laughs> yep. Now, what we know about Mike is that he was born to Luis and Alfred Warnke, a.k.a. Alf, Good. on oh. November 19th, 1946, <laughs> in Evansville, Indiana. Now, Alf was indeed an alcoholic and a piece of shit, but Warnke's picture of his father is the first of his many embellishments. Honestly, so was TV's Alf. You yeah. should have seen him off camera, man. <laughs> yeah. He I beat believe- the fuck out of, was it Rhonda? I don't remember, but he th- those aliens do drink. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. Well, in the Satan Cellar, Warnke claims that his father, Alf, was a violent small-time hood from Cleveland who fixed prize fights, participated in union racketeering, sold drugs and booze from truck stops, and carried a machine gun in the front seat of his car. That's cool. That's kind of fun. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's bad for a dad, but it's cool for a friend. It sounds like a Dick Tracy. Sounds like a (laughs) flat flat top. top. (laughs) As far as Mike's mother went, he couldn't really decide whether she was a good mother or uncaring and neglectful. You got to figure that out. At times, he described her as both. Depending on what book you were reading. Yeah, and what stand-up special he was in the middle of. Yep. Wow. Either way, though, Luis Warnke did factually die in a car accident when Mike was eight. Hmm. And that's, you're, just notice that. When one of Mike Warnke's claims are actually true, I'm going to use the word factually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Alf remarried the year after to a woman more than half his age, whom Mike described as an evil stepmother. She, on the other hand, described Mike as a quiet child who craved attention, but never got any. This is the type of thing mm. we see often. We, you know, we on our live show we've been covering David Berkowitz, and it's. I feel like there is that strain too. The idea of feeling small as a child, yeah, and growing up with this like almost antagonistic sense towards yourself of like. I'm not small. I'm huge. I'm incredibly important. And the whole world has to know it. Mm -hmm. The whole world knows it now. 
So two years after the remarriage, Alf died of a heart attack, and Mike was sent to live with his aunt in Sparta, Tennessee. Mike, though, claimed that when he arrived in Tennessee, he was a foul-mouthed, cigar-smoking, whiskey-drinking hellion at the age of 11, all oh. due to the influence of his alcoholic, drug-dealing parents. Yeah, he said that he discovered booze at his in his own house, like drinking as a little kid and all this kind of shit, and literally smoking as a five-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I started drinking and smoking at 12, but, uh, you know, my parents were not booze hounds. But no, you're a because... real story of the failure of parenthood. <laughs> no, my parents were great, but my parents made the mistake. We did the whole honorary thing where we dumped, I'll never forget, it was like, seven years old, eight years old, and we dumped out all the booze. And it was like this whole thing because my parents never drank. Oh, yeah. But then I remember when I was watching the wine go down the drain, I was like, I wonder what that tastes like. And then when I was 12, I found out. Mm -hmm. It tastes okay. Me as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it, it's it's more cultural, I would say. It's yeah, more yeah that's whatever in Europe. Kids drink all that. Oh my God, that's where yeah. I first started. Well, let's hear one of Mike Wernke's bits, one of his fun bits about growing up in Tennessee. Oh, I can't wait. Listen to so many hours of this shit. Mm-hmm. Don't you, you know that. that when I got up in that little old home in Tennessee, that everybody was in for some real surprises? I got up there, and the first night I was up there, this lady came out and she said, "Well, honey, how do you think you like it? Gonna like it here." And I said, well, this is a pretty nice blank, blankety, blank place. We ought to get along pretty blank, blankety, blank well, as long as you feed me blank, blankety, properly. I don't know. I just, you could have cut what I said with a butcher knife, you know. She'd never heard talk like that before. Her eyeballs popped open. Her mouth dropped open. She ran into the other room, got a 97-pound Schofield reference Bible off the TV, ran back out into the kitchen, snatched me up out of this chair, Slung me over in a corner, shoved that Bible up over her head, shoved her finger in my face, and she said, Boy, you better accept Jesus right now as your personal Savior, because if you don't, the devil's going to come right there. He's going to grab you by the shirt collar. He's going to drag you right down to hell. Boy, I'm telling you, the demon right over the door. And if you don't watch out, that demon's going to grab you. He's going to throw you on the ground. He's going to jump up and down on your body. So there's nothing left but a green spot right there on the ground. You better straighten out and square away, because if you don't, God's going to hit your middle forehead with a bolt of lightning and fry you to crisp and leave you nothing but a pile of ashes right there on the ground with your eyeballs bugging out. Good speed. Very fast. He does this thing in every fucking stand-up album where he, like, I don't know how to describe it. It's, he has no ending to bits. No. There are certain bits where he does not end them. Like, there's one thing where he says, what if Frankenstein got saved? Right? That's his whole thing. And (laughs) And he does this. That's an hilarious premise. It's. What happens? Stupid. It's stupid. (laughs) What happens? I don't even want to describe it. It's about no. It's a it's a is that, allegory. Is it, is it, is it, it's it, an allegory about how preachers wish they could rebuild followers so that they could think whatever it is he they, he wants them to think. I'm going to oh. be pedantic here for a second. Is the bit about Frankenstein being saved or Frankenstein's monster Frankenstein. being saved? Okay, Frankenstein. So Doctor Doctor Frankenstein. Doctor Frankenstein okay. building a monster that will perfectly believe in God. Right, that's his whole thing. <laughs> but he does this sound pastiche in the middle of it where he. He just makes a bunch of lab noises where he goes like, and he does it for about two and a half minutes. And then the and then he stops and the audience goes wild. Like yeah. he's the guy from a police academy. You try not to laugh at that. Those I hate are funny him. sounds. I hate him. Well, from what his Aunt Edna said, though, because, you know, he said that he showed up and he said blankety blank this and blankety blank that. They had no problems with him whatsoever. Perfectly ordinary boy. 
Now, at the age of 12, Warnke went to live with his half-sister Shirley in Crestline, California. And it seems like this is where Mike's penchant for, let's say, storytelling sure. began in earnest. World building. Yeah. <laughs> and again, if he caveated everything as if it was in the world of fiction, he may have been a fine storyteller. If he just wrote a book yeah. that was, just, this is a fantasy book. Mm-hmm. Again, this all had real world ramifications for a lot of people. It's not about telling a story. It's about him selling his story, and it's about people buying it. According to his childhood friend Jeff Naismith, Mike would invent stories and characters for his own amusement, inhabiting these falsehoods with such dedication that it became obvious that Mike Warnke desperately wanted to be anyone but Mike Warnke. And technically that is the beginning of most character actors and character (laughs) comedians, which is I do vaguely understand. Again, I'm triggered. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's ironic. He never read the parable about building your house on the sand because all of his career is based on a lie, which is the definition of the sand and the allegory. Mm -hmm. If he would have just told the truth, he would have been fine. You, You don't understand. But then he flips it all around later on saying, but the core was always true. Mm -hmm. The core is very soft. I've seen him in his shirts. (laughs) Now, according to Jeff, Mike's go-to in high school was a character called the Russian. In this bit, Jeff and Mike would go to a restaurant and pretend like Mike was a Russian. And Jeff would order all of Mike's food while Mike would speak in gibberish that kind of sounded like Russian. My oldest friend and I in the mall would do this bit or we would go into stores and pretend to be foreign and I would go up to a I would go up to the cashier and I'd go can I get how you say how you say a blowjob a blowjob and then we would be asked to leave sure, we did yeah. this bit very often that's so yeah. stupid yeah, yeah, no, we, were, yeah, yeah. we were fucking 13 years old yeah we used to go to a place called Buckle not the Buckle mm-hmm. Buckle and we would try on the ladies' clothes. Of course. Oh, so that was that's kinda, a good time. That's yeah. fun. They kicked us out, too. Do Stretch a lot of bras. And then, you know, that's and we laughed. And we just laugh and laugh and laugh. Of course. No, it makes it's It's good humor. What's interesting, though, is that even when Jeff ordered food that he knew Mike hated, Warnke would never break character and wouldn't say a word about it until they got out to the parking lot. That's just being, that's technically right now, this is just making friends. Yeah. Yeah, and again, if you do want to prove, and I caveat whatever it takes to survive in this world that's fine as long as you're nice to people yeah that's mm-hmm. all that matters to me but uh it is strange and you just kind of prove there's no omnipresent god because andy kaufman is dead mm-hmm. and uh, yep. technically he peter sellers is also peter dead. sellers yeah. is dead yeah. and uh, uh warnke has a youtube channel <laughs> and he's still posting <laughs> to this day in another example mike would sometimes flip it and make other people characters in his story. Like when he talked Jeff into giving him a ride when Mike had a date but no car with which to pick up the girl. Sure. For no reason at all, Warnke gave Jeff a chauffeur's cap <laughs> and told his date that Jeff was an orphan boy who sometimes <laughs> performed various services for his family in exchange for room and board. These are just bits. These yeah, are I mean, the best bits he's done. No, uh, this is the point of every episode where I love the sociopath just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. It is, it's pretty funny. Yes. When yeah. you show up and you're just like, you're my buddy, and you're like, put this hat on, mm-hmm. and now you're a chauffeur. You're yeah. an orphan as well. You're an orphan <laughs> chef chauffeur. What? Which is honestly, what do you mean? that's actually a really good idea uh-huh. for orphans yeah. to get into the chauffeur business because it's perfect because you could just sit and wait and wait and wait there's no family looking for you i don't know if they have the money for a car but no you borrow it or a bunch of orphans get together oh. and they they rove in street packs oh. now after mike wrote the satan seller he asked jeff to sign an affidavit asserting that everything in mike's book 
was true. <sighs> but Jeff refused, partly because he had no knowledge of Mike's later alleged satanic hijinks. Yeah, he's like, you're a murderer and a rapist. <laughs> Why are you bragging about this? What is happening? But also because Mike included lies about his time in high school. In his book, Mike claims that he cast a spell <gasps> on a restaurant called The Barn, after which said restaurant burned down. Jeff said that never happened, and The Barn's now a Seventh-day Adventist church. Bro, I do believe Warnke stood outside after his hamburger Burn. burned Burn. down because Burn. his hamburger wasn't done just perfectly, <laughs> and I do think he tried to cast a spell. Perhaps that's real. Yeah. I think that he did, again, this is weirdly... This is weirdly an example of occult thinking mm-hmm. and that he could do this type of shit. But, you know, he's what a fucking clown. Yeah. As far as how other students saw Mike in high school, some thought he was funny, but most just found him irritating. He was a nerd, an unpopular weirdo who tried being the class clown, but was Far too annoying to pull it off. It's a fine dance between the class clown and someone who everybody hates. You gotta push the envelope, but not (laughs) too far. You gotta really read a room. You You have to be kind of cool. Take it from me. Class clown. Hey, man. I also got the class clown superlative. I got class clown superlative as well. As did I. See, look at this. Look at us. I was also the loudest and the rowdiest. I also got teacher's pet. How could you be class clown and teacher's pet? You're a fucking sellout. You made the teachers laugh? Yeah, he sounds like Jimmy Fallon. How did you jump from there to you made the teachers laugh? That's the only way that you would become teacher's pet. You have to be hated by the teachers. I do both. I was also hated by the teachers. The reason why I was uh, voted teacher's pet was because I knew answers to questions. That's it. The teachers class fucking clown, class hated clown, me. Co- I'm sorry, class clown conference. Uh, class class <laughs> clown conference. Can you be teacher's pet and class clown? Well, the thing is about a class clown is that certain teachers will love you and yes, certain sir. teachers will hate you. That's certain true. teachers will appreciate what you do and certain teachers will know you're just trying to get out of work. Yes, the okay. teacher that actually enjoyed me, the teacher that I made a uh, a reference to, dedicated the book to, a thank Aww. you in, the bu- in our book, yeah, she loved me. All the rest of them despised me. All right. I've got three that liked me, too. All, All right. right. I can cool. check that out. It is. There you go. There Accessible. You go. Totally allowed. Mm. But in the Satan Cellar, Mike claimed that he was, quote, a rascal who snuck around drinking and enjoying teen sex. Oh. You know, people do. <laughs> people do. Oh, I know what you did last summer. Oh. <laughs> but when fellow students who spoke to Cornerstone Magazine read these claims in Mike's book, they were just confused. Instead of a flashy rebel, they remembered Mike Warnke as the nerd who got beaten up by everybody. He could have also just made that his story. Yeah. Because no one gives a shit about how you were in high school. No. He was the desperate bus clown who was always laughed at rather than laughed with. But then it shows when it comes down to it, when all you want is attention. Like, I really liked laughing, right? I like people to laugh at my shit, but I didn't really want the negative attention. I didn't want to get in trouble. I used to fight back and forth and toe the line. And because the whole point is that if I was going to get in trouble, at least it would be for something that I found to be incredibly funny. I still live by that rule, right? (laughs) Where like, he just wanted attention. Yeah. And if you're willing to do anything, to just get attention. I mean, look at Jeffrey Dahmer. Like yeah. when he was in high school, just would go, bah! you know, and that he was- just wanted someone to perceive him. <laughs> yeah. We've now in the talking David Berkowitz, he just wanted someone to like look at him and mm-hmm. say, hey, David. But at least Jeffrey Dahmer was getting lit in the back of the classroom. He, yeah. Well, he, he did it different. He wasn't. <laughs> I would never call what Dahmer did like 
partying. <laughs> no, it was heavy drinking at an age where his liver was not ready. And yeah. his brain wasn't ready. No. Yeah. But, I mean, we used to have a lot of fun. I'll never forget the faking of the seizures. My buddy Jared mm-hmm. faked we the seizure. That. My yeah. mom laughed and laughed. He got expelled. I mean, oh, Columbine yeah. was rough. I wore a fake bomb into a fucking bodega, and I thought it was really funny. I put a guitar <laughs> amplifier on my chest, and they just, they were like, get out of here. It's funny, yeah, but it's, yeah, I, I hear uh, Yeah, you. again, also, I was... 12. Yeah. yeah. It was a different yeah, yeah. So I don't think a 12 is going to be a suicide bomber yet. Yeah. You don't know. <laughs> not in 1995. No, not then. Well, as far as religion went, Mike was strongly attracted to Catholicism. And in a moment of accidental truth, Warnke admitted in his book to being fascinated as a child by the rituals of the Catholic Church. Hmm. And these rituals would indeed heavily influence his lies about being a satanic priest. Now, the thing that sank Warnke's stories and made them so easy to disprove was the timeline. Mm. According to the Satan Seller, Warnke was inducted into Satanism in 1965 during his first semester at Community College mm. when he was about 19. Honestly, Satanism, we really try to go for the vocational schools because we <laughs> sure. prefer people with skills. Nothing wrong with a little community college. I went for a semester, got my grades up. Oh, yeah. Then yeah. I went to a different school. Ed Larson, that's how I met him. Yeah. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with a good community college. Not at all. From what the records say, though, Warnke didn't even finish his first year Mm. and joined the Navy in 1966. Therefore, every wild claim that follows from here on out supposedly all occurred in a nine-month period. Remember that. (laughs) Everything you're about to hear happened in less than a year, and then he was over with it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as the story goes, Warnke attended San Bernardino Valley College in 1965. San Bernardino. Okay. And met a guy named Dean at a party. Dean sounds cool. Dean sounds cool. Well, Dean is the type of fucking name that you make up for a cool Satanist. What are you talking about? Dean. Oh, Dean. Dean's so cool. No, I'd call him like Melfior. <laughs> That'd be sweet. Dude. Yeah, Melfior is cooler than Dean. I don't know. If I've met a cool Dean. No. No. No, they don't exist. It's just Dean. It's just that it gets Dean Moriarty and On the Road. And then after that, nah. I'm sure there's a cool Even Dean Even Dean there. Moriarty from On the Road was a fucking problem. Yeah. Side stories, LPOTL at uh, gmail.com. If you're a cool Dean, let us know. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We're going to need proof that you're cool, though. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But Dean gave Warnke his first joint. Whoa. And before Warnke knew it, Dean was easing Mike into Satanism. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> That's just not what happens when you have your first joint. No. No, man. No, No, I watch cartoons, bro. I play with Hulk clubs. Yeah, dude. I fucking rode around with my cousin and listened to fucking Rage Against the Machine. Fuck yeah, Yeah, yeah. established Evil Empire. Fuck yeah, bro. I was, uh, actually, you know what? I started drinking at 12, but I don't think I smoked until I was 15 and a half and I was driving my Thunderbird with my friend Jared and he sang, another one bites the dust. We listened to that song and I smoked a J while while driving. This is a great (laughs) thing to admit. That's great. And then I parked immediately because I got stoned. Now, Dean introduced Mike to the occult in stages. But once they got to stage three, Mike was openly worshiping Satan in a barn in an orange grove in front of a goat head altar and an inverted cross. It's a slippery slope, my friend. Oh, my God. And that's just decor, man. Oh, oh yeah. And, of course, by the time he started worshiping Satan, he'd graduated from weed to heroin in a matter of weeks. It's just like The Simpsons when Homer licks the frog, but it's not a frog. It's not an hallucination. It's just a little bit of junk weed from the 70s. I just love weed. I love weed, but I never once thought after I even smoked weed being like, man, I want some heroin. Yeah. Dude, if you would go back to the 70s and smoke that weed, it would take you a 
a I know, pound like a, a bushel to get yeah. stoned. Well, that's the, the problem with Mike Warnke. That's the whole thing about it. It's the problem with all of these people is that they have never once in their life done drugs. Yeah. They've right. never, they don't know what it's like. They just, they only have that fucking gateway drug bullshit where they're like, yeah, you start smoking weed before you know it, you're doing meth and then you're doing heroin. Yeah, that's what you they go from believe. reefer, you go down to buzzers. In business, you go down to Slank, Munch. Remember Head Munch? Oh. My mother aborted several babies on Munch. Oh, that is a dangerous drug. When a mockery of Catholic Mass, Warnke wrote that they drank and ate ghoulish concoctions. Yeah, like he's at Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, that he refused to describe. Too yeah. gross. Old yeah, cereal is what he means. It had dry ice in it. And it'll skull glass. They <laughs> ate ghoulish concoctions. I've eaten the- goo I have technically eaten ghoulish concoctions. Yeah. Some of them are delicious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Head cheese. And before long, Warnke was being groomed for the priesthood of this unnamed satanic cult just because he was so goddamn cool. God, that's uh, the biggest lie of all. Like, because that's what it, that's what you're gonna notice with Warnke again and again is that he's trying so desperately to show you how cool he is. Oh yeah, that's how that's his bread and butter. Because yeah, because that's why the freaks all come to him, baby. Because yeah. he understands the cool side of the street. Yeah, yeah. that's where the shadows are. Ugh. Speaking of butter, that's how Guy Fieri uh, described the head cheese on Triple D. He doesn't eat eggs, but he loved head cheese, and they oh, yeah. showed how it was made. And I think it's kind of gross. Yeah, he's yeah. my fucking. That's what you're talking about, man. Right there, Ugh. that's some good meat. Some mm-hmm. meats you miss because mm-hmm. they're in the corners of the skull. Yeah, Ugh. I don't know. Well, Warnke claimed that in the space of Five weeks. Okay. He started college, first used drugs, mm. became addicted to heroin, started selling heroin, went to his first orgy, went to his first black mass, and was recruited into a satanic cult. This is like what your mom, Kissel, like thought would happen to you when you went to college. It's what every mom <laughs> who ever watched daytime television thought was going to happen to all their children once they went to college. This took him 35 days. 35 yeah. days. <laughs> he was very busy. Well, that's not all he did. He okay. also claimed that in those five weeks, he rode a motorcycle from California to Texas. Sure. He did drug deals in Louisiana. He marched with Martin Luther King in Alabama. And oh. that's supposed to be evil. Yeah. Think th- about that. That's him saying that that was him dallying with evil. Uh-huh. Oh, and my God. he said he participated in the Freedom Rides, even though the Freedom Rides had happened five years earlier. And that's kind of the key to Mike Warnke here is that he makes a lot of these claims that don't add up in the timeline. But remember, he's making these claims in 1972, 1973. Can't follow up. It's really difficult to follow these things up. We can disprove lies now in three seconds with a fucking device that everyone has in their pocket. Mm -hmm. Back then, a lot easier to get away with it. Now, by the end of those wacky five weeks, Warnke claimed he got hepatitis Four times. That's <laughs> ah, a lot. That's a hard month. Man. Yeah, yeah. He, he must had, be exhausted. Mm-hmm. He had scabs all over his face from mainlining crystal meth. His skin was yellow. His skin is yellow. His skin and it's is because yellow. he's gross. Yeah, his skin was yellow. His teeth were rotting. His jaw was broken, and he'd been shot after he got into a gunfight with a pimp at a pool hall. He said he got <laughs> shot by a pimp in five weeks. This is after five weeks. I think in a freshman year of college, wow. I was like. How do I get a binder again? Like, I just had to redo my whole life. I did not understand how to not have a mom. You know, now that I think about it, he might be the real life Forrest Gump. If any of this was true, it's not. No. But all of that was just a prelude to Warnke's reign as one of Southern California's top satanic priests. There's no hierarchy. Anybody could be a priest for Satan. Once Warnke ascended to the top, 
He was given two elegant apartments, rent free, mm-hmm. a black Lincoln Continental, complete with chauffeur, and all the jewels and clothing he could wear. Oh yeah, and this is all provided by the Illuminati. The one thing if that's true any though, of that was true. No he man, you know stayed. it's true. You know how much money occult groups have. Oh, you so know much. how much money witches have, right? Witches, yeah. <laughs> you know how much you're sitting on, and that's why there needs to be a five percent. Which tax? <laughs> sure, on all needlepoint that is being done and sold on Etsy, uh, you know that he would have um, he would have just stayed a Satanist if any of this is real. Oh well, to complete this childish fantasy, Warnke also said that he was given two hot Satanist chicks, Whoa! lucky girls, who hung out in his apartment twenty four hours a day with the sole purpose of pleasuring little Mike Warnke, this- participating in what he disgustingly called. Soft pink sex. <laughs> I chose. I mean, I don't. Has he had sex? Yeah, he has a son, right? I yeah, think he's son, got yeah. a few sons. Yeah, yeah, he's got ch- children. He's been married four fucking soft times. Pink. I sex. love that episode of Red Shoe Diaries. Oh, just, for fantastic. some reason, I just see Piglet fucking rear-ending <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. It is such a juvenile idea of yeah. what it means to be like upper class or upper class Satan or evil. It's such a juvenile idea of what it means to be evil in his mind. Well, it's just a juvenile fantasy. Yeah. You know, you live in a nice house and there's two girls there that just like fuck you whenever you want. Yeah. It's so fucking cool. Little like, pink sex we have. Little yeah. pink sex, yeah. And, but then you got it's because <laughs> you're you're getting the tapped, unbridled power of evil, right? Like they always talk about in all the sci-fi movies where the evil, evil energy is always stronger at first. And they're always all encompassing at first, but the power of good always will eventually win over everything, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Well, Mike claimed that under his leadership, the cult's numbers grew to 1,500 Satanists across three Southern Californian cities in less than a year. And Mike claimed to look the part as well. He said he dropped to 125 pounds and boasted waist length. Bleached white hair and 14 inch fingernails, quote, for fights. So he thought that premium fighting shape was to become Johnny Winters. Oh, man. He sounds like a roadie for ABBA. Oh, my God. With the long nails. I could just see him like that. Just being like, hello, I am the Goblin King. We also know what happens because remember that woman with the world's largest nails that was Mm -hmm. on like all the shows? They curl up. Yeah. Not even good for fighting. No. They're not sharp objects at that point. Not at all. No, I mean, and so looking like a demented upright possum, (laughs) Warnke led his satanic congregation in numerous rituals, drawing blood from his own wrist and mixing it with wine and urine so he could drink toast to Satan. Just drink the wine! (laughs) Here's, Here's how Mike described some of his other rituals in the Satan cellar. Now, after the invocation of Satan, I listened intently to the offertory where the members offered their souls to Lord Satan. I swung the now screaming cat over the smoking cauldron and then over the heart of the girl on the altar. Mm. <laughs> then, when the sword point touched the cat's belly, I thrust it in. Now, I suddenly shouted, I drew an upside down star on the girl's stump with the freshly spilled blood. From the weird utterances that now came from her mouth, I knew we were being graced by one of the denizens of hell. Everything sounds wrong. Because, <laughs> again, listen to him talk. Yeah. Listen to how he speaks. Mm-hmm. This fucking booger was the <laughs> king of all 
evil. Yeah, the king of all evil in Southern California. I am. I kind of insulted as a person of the evil inclination because why would we choose you yeah. as leader? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't choose mm-hmm. Mike Warnke as the head of the, of my satanic cabal. Are you particularly evil? No, I find myself. I find that Satanists are more. We're neutral. Neutral. Yeah. yeah. Now, once Mike was suitably ranked. He was put in charge of organizing these rituals, which quickly escalated from cat killing to cutting off people's fingers <laughs> so the cultists could eat them in a perversion of the communion. Mm. <laughs> it's so If anything, you stupid. would cut off. You would cut off uh, legs. Like, yeah, probably like a calf. No, you man, know? you eat it's pizza. Like- <laughs> they just say you just eat actual food or soft flesh or like ham. turtles. Yeah, honestly, go- I'd give discs of ham. Mm. I would maybe go with the buttocks. Yeah, mm. cut the butt. Butt's apparently good meat when you're, uh, you know, when you have to eat someone's for it's survival. You're supposed to start with the butt. Thighs we learned butt. that. Yeah. We learned that from that. Uh, what was it? A rugby team, right there. Mm. They crashed in the Alps. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Mike also claimed to have directed the gang rape of a virgin. But Mike always made sure to say that he was only an orchestrator. I'm a cultivator. Never <laughs> never a direct participant. I don't understand how this was a moment in time where that was a beneficial storyline for anyone. Mm-hmm. From what he claimed, he was usually too doped up to perform sexually. Cool. Yeah. Little pink sex. <laughs> so cool, man. Yeah. As far as life outside of Satanism went, Warnke's claims make him sound like one of the grooviest counterculture figures of the 60s. Warnke claimed to have dropped acid with Timothy Leary, claimed to have hung out with Anton LaVey. Anton LaVey was not in town. No, he was when not. When he was supposed to have hung out with him. No, Anton LaVey, actually, when they asked him years later if he'd ever been in contact with Mike Warnke, it was like such an Anton LaVey fucking answer. He's like, I have never even received so much as a postcard from <laughs> yeah, <right>. Mike Warnke. <laughs> he didn't even sound like that. Anton LaVey actually has a surprisingly untheatrical voice. It's kind of like this. Like he has like, he's not, he looks evil. That's right, he does. Yeah, I've never received so much with a postcard. Really yeah. Honestly, to be honest, if he sent me a postcard, it'd be kind of nice. Honestly, then I have a return address I could send an assassin. <laughs> yeah, he Aww. does have a super wormy voice. Uh, and Mike Warnke also claimed to have been present at Altamont, the Rolling oh, Stones yes, concert where the Hells Angels stabbed a dude to death. Uh, problem with that, though, is that Altamont occurred in 1969, uh, is, not 1966. He is the definition of let's don't and say that we did. Yeah. yeah. Because he's just sitting on his fucking ass this entire time. Mm-hmm. He also claimed that he attended a Church of Satan conference in San Francisco where he claimed to have met Charles Manson. <gasps> Charles Manson was incarcerated. And, oh, and remember, until Charles, Manson, Charles Manson was never Satanist. No. He, he was, was a Scientologist. Yes, he was. Was he? No, yeah, remember? Yeah, totally. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction, and it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly, you know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right. I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right. My job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be. To motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs, and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt, and I love planting things myself. And fast-growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. Now I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Dude. 
Now, in addition to the regular rituals, Warnke also claimed to have been invited to more business-like meetings that, quote-unquote, opened his eyes to the enormity of the Satan movement. And all this will sound pretty familiar to anyone who's followed QAnon. Honestly, it would be nice if we did have some kind of Satanist kind of business meeting or something to teach us how to invest. Yeah. That would be nice. That would be nice, yeah. In the Satan Cellar, Warnke wrote that the people he worked for ruled over a widespread organization that operated all over the world, claiming, quote, The word Illuminati was whispered around here. Was it indeed the fourth stage, the next higher level of Satan's superiors? That explained the unbelievable coordination, how financiers could work in tandem with politicians and industrialists, often without direct contact or even conscious collusion. Almost like there's no evidence, in a way. (laughs) Okay, okay. The Illuminati. There was no need for them to be leaders, but they influenced leaders, and they had the use of demons. Whoa, so the demons came up with the combustion engine? I think the demons (laughs) are the lawyers. Now, these are some pretty heavy fucking claims that Mike Warnke is making. And it is indeed one hell of a story, especially for someone's freshman year of college. Yeah, this is a lot, man. I was just just overwhelmed with my first theater audition. We're still in the nine months. Nine months. This is all in the nine. And that's Warnke's claims. That's, uh, you know, that's pretty much it. But when Cornerstone Magazine contacted what few college friends Mike Warnke had, most of them laughed at Mike's stories (laughs) because they remembered Mike as an irritating person who constantly lied for no reason. Irritating is the word that people use over and over and over again with this guy. That is his superpower. (laughs) If you look at his shit, man, if you watch as much hours of him as I've watched, you could see he also only gets worse. Yeah, he only gets worse. That first special, Alive, that he did in 1973, has got some... I made it through it. Yeah, I made it through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the rest of it is, oh, the song. Maybe we'll play that at the well, end of the well, next episode. No, the song is later on. The, yeah, the song is when he got to his, I think, second or third wife. That's uh, Yeah, that's about 10 years after I his think first also, album. I think also his comedy career, the descent of, like, when he stops doing jokes and stuff, I think it also correlates with Gallagher stopping to do comedy. Yes. Because he couldn't steal any more jokes. Yeah, he had no more where to good sources <laughs> to source his material. He did not come up with one bit himself. Nothing is also strange about Mike Warnke is that he he never smiles ever no that's the weird thing about even in his stand-up bits he never ever smiles well, he does a funny he does, a, he does like a yeah he does a yeah he, yeah. he mugs yeah. he does his mug thing he yeah. is so self superior yeah he is so he just fucking pats himself on the back <laughs> yeah. at every single opportunity and the older he gets when you watch stuff from like three four years ago because he's still getting invited to speak at churches every week oh yeah uh, he's on all over youtube like his face just gets like it hangs down more and more and more it's like the weight of his lies are actually making him physically heavy they're dragging him to hell yeah Now, there were some occult shades to Mike's months in college. There had to have been. Yeah. But like his later claims, the stories he told in college were lies as well. Remember, Mike Warnke's always been a liar. Mm -hmm. And those college lies came with impressive life stories of a different kind. Mike told his fellow students that he came from a white witch background. (laughs) And he said that he'd been reincarnated 
dozens of times. He was a first mm. born in the Irish Moors in 1550-something. And that was in addition to being a Greek dancer and a professional ambulance driver oh. all before he was 19 years old. You know, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I could see him doing that. <laughs> yeah, that kind of was it. Or Zorba? Yeah, Zorba the Greek, yeah. But I mean, but that's what people would say about him is that he would tell stories that were so insane that you could not disprove them. We were also just like, shut up, Mike. Yeah. Whatever, Mike. Give me your homework. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I always think if I was uh, reincarnated, I feel like I was an executioner back in the day. Hmm. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that too. I believe that I was in the 1300s. Nice. Interesting, because the executioner was actually quite well respected. And, you know, as we talked about, they get tipped out for everyone they kill. And then mm-hmm. they go out to the bars and everyone's like, "Ooh, don't kill me. And then you laugh. I think mm-hmm. it was a big titted Lakers girl, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You can still kind of see it. <laughs> Wernke would also scam strangers by panhandling as a priest. Oh, my then God. Then he'd use the money to try and buy wine at the liquor store, telling the clerks he needed it for mass. It's not Mad Dog 2020 in the fucking chalice. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fucking, what's it? What, what was the name of that big jug wine? Franzia. Uh, There's no, Franzia. No, uh, you're talking about uh, Rossi. Carlo Rossi. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And for that, of course, the clerks laughed him out of the fucking store. Like, get out of here, kid. See, from what his friend Greg Gilbert said, there was certainly no heroin and very little drinking in college. In fact, the most exciting thing they did together was play croquet in Gilbert's backyard because <laughs> none of them were savvy enough to get a hold of booze. They just, tried. They talked about it a lot. Uh, croquet. Well, you take your hand, you grab the bottle, you put it in your jacket, and you walk out. Yeah. It's very easy, especially croquet. in the 70s. They yeah. got together to play croquet. Yeah. <sighs> now, in the Satan Cellar, Warnke painted himself as a kind of guru to his fellow students, the sort of intellectual other students look to for answers. Natural-born leader. Oh, you can tell just by looking at him. <laughs> but according to Gilbert... No one even thought to look to Warnke for leadership because most people just found him really fucking obnoxious. Yeah, man, he's Wario. (laughs) No one wanted him around, much less fucking ask him, like, Mike Warnke, what do you think? Don't throw Wario under the bus. Wario is actually quite sharp. (laughs) I know, he was honest. He was at least honest. Now, Warnke did try to join a kind of half-ass coven during his short time Mm -hmm. at community college. That must have been adorable. Oh, yeah. He was roundly rejected. Mm. God, you can just see him opening the door butt naked. Just be like, here for it. <laughs> no. This right here, though, is the most honest representation of college-level witchcraft. Yeah. See, a guy named Dennis Strutton said that he and five other dudes started an occult group to impress girls. Absolutely. It's that- still to this day. If you want to talk to a woman easily, astrology is still there. Tarot cards are still there. You yeah. can get out there, g- go to them, meet Mark- them halfway. Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. literally ruined the world. Trying to impress women. That's what <laughs> yes, Facebook yeah, was. No, <laughs> trying to meet a gal and oh. we all have to suffer because that oh. horny nerd oh. wasn't charming enough to talk to a chick at a bar. Yep. And Warnke wanted into this group. But when Warnke forced himself in, in this group, they considered themselves more druidic than satanic. It was light. It was just, you were just trying to fuck, man. Just trying to fuck. Sure. That's it. They found him so annoying that they picked him up in his chair during a meeting oh and carried him out of the room. Now tell me, are you carrying me or is the chair carrying me? Come on, y'all. 
<laughs> the closest Wonky ever got to a secret society during college was when he and his friends started a half-assed fraternity called the Royal Order of the Lantern, which soon <laughs> fell apart because no one gave a shit. Oh, again, man, if he came, if he, after this, if he became George R.R. Martin, it'd be different. Yeah. Right. If he used all of these fun things to like add to the world. Yeah. No, he, uh, he added to, uh, the prison population for bullshit. Um, maybe if one of these people would have been nice to him. We wouldn't be doing this show. No, he did have a is lot of people. Not- there were a lot. He did have friends. He's an obnoxious like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, there was like there was like the guy, uh, gar- like the guy from high school, Jeff. Like he would say, like, no, I didn't sign the affidavit, but but Mike's all right. Like okay. these, like when he, there were a few people, so a few were- friends that were like, he's all right. Like he's you, he's kind of an acquired taste. You got to get used to him. He's gonna lie a lot. You just gotta have to go like, yeah, 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 whatever, Mike. All right. Uh, but he did have friends. He had a girlfriend. Her name was Lois. All right, so yep. he has no excuses at all. No. no. Now, it was during this time that Mike also claimed to have been a part of LSD experiments conducted by his college. So he tried to put himself into MKUltra as yes. well. But when <laughs> officials at the school were contacted about this, they also audibly laughed. Because this was a two-year community college. Yeah, man. The government wasn't wasting their brand new LSD on community college. <laughs> you know it what, was ha- It was happening at Harvard. It's what happened to the Unabomber. Yeah. They may have given him a little bit of meth. Yeah. I don't think anybody wanted to waste their LSD on him. It's no. been like, I want to give this to somebody I like. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Now, according to the Satan seller, the Satanist eventually turned on Mike and used one of his satanic sex slaves to deliver a fatal overdose of heroin. She allegedly gave him four times his normal <gasps> dose and snapped the needle off in his arm. But Warnke was such fucking badass <laughs> that not even that was enough to kill him. Yeah, man, he just shit it out. <laughs> so, <laughs> he just got rid of that heroin. He is so lame. After that, Mike decided to join the Navy to get away from all the Satan stuff. You know, what this does remind me of, though, I was actually talking with Cena Gosnaby about this yesterday, the search for masculinity. Mm-hmm. Like, his idea of what it is to be a man is obviously all of this, all of these lies. Yeah. It is the dumbest. It's like a. It mo- is a it, nerd, weak person's view of exactly. how somebody is masculine and yeah. broke the needle off in my arm four times. It's like that doesn't. It's not masculine. No. But he did say, bitch. He did say this was the only time he was thin. Yeah, he said they got in his bit about when his the, he has a whole album about his time in Vietnam. He's yeah. been like, that's the only time they call me a full gospel pastor. Yeah, now nah, he's a fucking dumpling. That's for sure. Yes, indeed. Well, Mike did indeed join the Navy after his nine months in community college. Okay. It's just that his reason for enlisting that he gave is bullshit. And while he claims that he had a quote-unquote crazy drug orgy <laughs> as a send-off the night before he joined boot camp, yeah. his girlfriend at the time, the aforementioned Lois, said that the craziest thing at his going-away party was a cake in the shape of a boat that said, Ship ahoy, Mike. Whoa. <laughs> Might as well be heroin. Whoa, a whole boat shaped cake? Holy fucking shit. What as is a, this motley crew? This is as good as heroin. Yeah. That's as good as heroin. That's a lot of sugar if you think about diabetes. Mm-hmm. Now, as Wonky tells it, his satanic life came to an end during boot camp. Two Christians converted him. And from that point forward, he was a warrior of light for Jesus Christ. Or from what I can tell, it was actually a girl named Sue Stutter who was a part of a student group called Campus Crusade that Campus. drew 
drew Mike Warnke into the Christian fold. And they are everywhere. That's where I lost a friend to Campus Crusade for Christ. My older brother actually dabbled in it a little bit his first few years of college. It's still very prominent it adds, on college uh, campuses. But, you it's know, immediate community. It's it the type of thing that you can it join is. if you are a person, unfortunately, like let's say you are a person that does believe, uh, then it works for you. But it's also a yeah. great place for a weirdo with no friends. Yeah, because they, exactly. they can't say no. And again, whatever it takes to survive, but just be careful that you don't get too caught up in some of the madness because they are also very isolationist in some ways. And that's why I lost my friend. Yep. Now, in the Satan cellar, Mike claimed that he had planned to kill himself in front of the campus crusade kids to like totally fucking freak them out. Whoa. Well, you wouldn't even know. Yeah. No. But no, but they'd be like fucking whoa. freaked out, bro. They would, they'd, they'd be like, whoa. Whoa. That's whoa. whoa. The saddest <laughs> thing about being someone like Bud Dwyer is you don't get to see what happens. Yeah. But in reality, Mike joined the group because he liked Susie. And the two of them. Of course. That's how I almost joined a Christian cult. Yeah. Because the fucking hot chick was fucking a flirty fish. I showed up once to one of those Christian. The girl didn't tell me it was a Christian thing. Mm -hmm. She was super fucking fucking cute. And my fucking buddy Nick was like, dude, this is a Christian thing. I'm telling you it's a Christian thing. He's like, no, but boobies. Yeah. I was like, no, but she's cute. Come on, man. I'll be fine. He's like, all right. So we had like this thing where I would, he would call me in 10 minutes and tell me there was like a problem with the station, Mm -hmm. with the radio station. (laughs) I had to go fix it. And if it was cool, if it wasn't a Christian thing, I'd say like, no, bro, like you can figure it out. But if it was a Christian thing, I'd have an out. And guess what? I said, I'll be right there. I'll be right there. I have to go. Yeah. So thanks, Nick. I know you're listening. I appreciate it. To everyone who is being flirty fished, everyone who is, you know, being recruited, don't forget all of the women just want to fuck the pastor. I know, man. (laughs) And that's why he's the pastor. And so you're never going to get laid. Mm hmm. Now, it was around this time that Warnke factually attended a conference on the occult. Okay. And it's there that he met evangelical author Tim LaHaye, who was a big-time believer in the anti-Semitic Protocols of the Elders of Zion version of the Illuminati. Hmm. This version of the Illuminati was invented for the 1958 book Pawns in the Game, written by an anti-Semitic author named William Guy Carr. I started to read it because I was wondering, like, all right, what's the what are the code words are they going to use in this book, right? Like, how right. are we going to play this out? You know, what I mean, because you know now we have like globalists. Reptilian, you know, a lot of time you sometimes. see reptilian cabal, that kind of stuff. And the first chapter is called the Synagogue of Satan, <laughs> and that's how so they you didn't know. sugarcoat no, anything. No, 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 no. And there is okay. a lot of stuff. I also was trying to get into because he they basically say that they call us goyim because goyim to them means herds of cattle. This which is, just, is that's not true. Well, that, I don't is, think that, you know. that's just protocols of the elders of Zion. Yeah. Like it's just. He just took Protocols of the Elders of Zion and copied it for his own purposes. It's actually interesting because evangelicalism specifically actually has quite a fascination with the the Jewish people and Israel. So that's interesting there would be anti-Semitism in there. Because they still look at the old, uh, what's it, the the old old book, Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. But but on the other hand, uh, the whole Israel thing, it's just about how it involves them. It's yeah. whoever give is the a shit new, about the actual sure, people. No, yeah, they don't care. It's all no. about who, whatever they, whoever they cast as the villain. Yeah. Now, according to LaHaye, well, this book highlighted a Jewish-run secret society, which came complete with high priests and black masses. Now, according to LaHaye, Warnke hadn't even heard the word Illuminati when they met in 1966. Hmm. But after Warnke was introduced to the writings of William Guy Carr, he was given a framework 
to construct his own stories of satanic cults. It's like when, I think that Jimi Hendrix's like uncle gave him a guitar. It's like when he <laughs> saw this book, right? Yeah. He understood now. He's like, I'm the right shithead yeah. to sell this. Mm-hmm. Now, Warnke married Sue Stutter in 1967, but Sue refused to talk to Cornerstone for the Warnke expose, probably because she, like many other people, specifically his ex-wives, wanted to leave her time with Mike Warnke far in the past. Oh, yes. Okay. He was a fucking monster. But Mike does include Sue in his story in The Satan Cellar. He wrote that after he left Satanism, two bats would follow Sue everywhere she went. Yeah, man. Oh, it's my. the fucking Anastasia movie. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely. Cartoon bats definitely follow this woman. So and stupid. a black cat posted up outside of the home. <laughs> You're going to get some milk? Mm, bring some to me. Wow, I'm even. He shouldn't have made it so cliche if you yeah. wanted anyone to believe it. Even just say like a, a an orange man coon cat. I would say, well, okay, that's kind of interesting. Well, ben, the, the intended audience did believe it. Yeah, he had to make it that simple. He oh, had to make it familiar. Because they're like, uh, yep, that's what I saw in that movie. Uh-huh. Check. Check, Mm -hmm. check. In addition, Mike also claims that after he left Satanism, Satanists tried assassinating him by shooting him (gasps) as he walked down the street. But they just gave up after one bullet. So I guess Satanists are fucking lazy or something. They are. We are inherently, we don't like work. Yeah, sloth. I don't want to hang out all the time watching for Mike Warnke. Eventually... I will leave. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. If the movie Seven was about you, you would be all seven sins right in one. Yeah, but I mean, I'm proud of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. good, 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 good. Oh, yeah. Lust, definitely. Sloth, absolutely. Wrath, most definitely. All of them. Yeah. Envy, of course. Yeah, that's just when you're <laughs> driving. <laughs> speak. That's just when you're driving. Yo. Yeah. Now, one of the things that makes Wank Warnke a true piece of shit is the fact that he was a repeat domestic abuser. Mm. Never convicted, often reported. And in the Satan Cellar, he tried blaming one of these incidents on a demon. Now, my brain kind of whirled, and I felt as if my mind had suddenly detached itself from my head, and it was up in the corner of the room, looking down on my body, suddenly no longer being in control of it. My body got up, stumbled halfway across the room to where Sue was sitting. Now, my hands, they reached out. And my fingers grasped the cross she wore around her neck. Oh, my God. And pulled. And the chain snapped. And I let it slip through my fingers as they curled around her throat. So the police didn't investigate that, but they invested all the claims he made about Satanism. <laughs> yes, every yeah. single unclaimed, every single bit of uninformed, no evidence-based uh, satanic ritual abuse, they were all over. Mm-hmm. Right. He claimed that he was then pulled down to the floor and put in the positions of Jesus on the cross. Whoa, well, and he, well, and he, oh, I, would, I do wish that this. was real. Come on, about this. And he felt sharp pains in his hands and feet where the nails had been driven. And pain on his head from the crown of thorns. Don't miss my hair. But Sue prayed over his body, and after an hour, the demon left him. Do you think that he actually did that? There is a way in my mind that he did punch her. Like He hurt his wife, and then he was just like, oh. Better have a Jesus fit. Now, a couple of years after Warnke and Sue got married, Mike was factually transferred to Vietnam during the Vietnam War, okay. 1969. In his book, though, Mike claimed that he backslid into drug abuse and alcoholism, and he just couldn't help 
juicing his time in Vietnam. Dude, how could you not? Even you know though what I mean? You've it, had, already... it had nothing to do with the Satanism shit. No, but you have right. to make yourself an extra badass mm-hmm. because now you're in Vietnam. Yep. And everyone knows if you're in Vietnam, fucking Credence is playing, <laughs> you're burdening up villages with a bunch of children inside of it, <laughs> and you're, you're shooting up black tar heroin, Ooh, and, you're, yeah. and you're down to the bamboo shoots. I do think that that did happen quite a bit. Yeah, But also I think there was a lot of just sitting around. No, mostly it was just sitting around. But he did actually. He was serve. in country. He was yeah. in country. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was a he was a uh, a hospital corpsman. Then yeah. you know what I'm going to say. Thank you for your service, Warnke. Oh, God. <laughs> Sergeant Warnke. What, Private Warnke, stop masturbating. Private Warnke. <laughs> I'm just glad it was a useful war. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, poor people. He claimed that he once saw a buddy of his explode when a mortar shell landed on his head, left behind nothing but a pair of shoes. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. Mike existed from one battle to the next, subsisting on liquor and drugs. God, I would just love to see him exactly as he is from this live show, from from Mike Warnke alive. Just him, just out there with like the Vietnam helmet on, with the with the big fucking mullet hair sticking out of the bottom yeah. of it, just slugging on whiskey, little tiny glasses. Yeah, just he, running like such a scared fucking dude. He looks like if fucking if Miss Piggy transitioned. <laughs> <laughs> he was shot by a child with a bow and arrow while handing out candy bars. He said a friend of his was eaten by a tiger, what? and he even killed a man in a bar fight. He he is a fucking murderer. Yeah. this is what he said. Yeah. this is the shit that he said that was cool. Yeah, Mike right. was so fucking out there that he. Broke a psychiatrist. He cried during their session because Mike was so fucking far out. In one book, Mike wrote that he was wounded twice, but in the next book, he was wounded five times. I mean, man, it's a sequel. More wounds. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Warnke was indeed awarded the Purple Heart, and he was awarded the Combat Action Ribbon. Yeah, he saw time. Okay. But these stories that Mike told were not his own. Instead, they came from a neighbor who told Mike these stories years later. Who might have also been lying about those well, stories. He was, no, he wasn't lying. He said, but they were like a friend, his friend's stories. Yeah. You but, are, if you did serve time in, our, uh, in any war, you are allowed to exaggerate. Of course, you I have to. You were there. Yeah. You shot yeah. things. You're allowed to. Well, as far as that combat action went, a fellow vet said that a sniper took some pot shots at him and Mike while they were standing in a field. They fucking wildly fired back and then ran away. That was the extent of it. That was his combat action. (laughs) And the Purple Heart came from an injury sustained during the accidental firing of a rocket in Warnke's vicinity. Oh, my God. That's scary. Yeah, he almost died like Ernest saves Vietnam. (laughs) (laughs) Warnke's fellow soldiers predictably found him Grading. Okay. That was the word that the soldiers used. I imagine in a tense situation, like behind enemy lines, his personality is not He wasn't behind and- enemy lines at all, <laughs> ever. Like, he was just hanging out in the fucking at base, just mm-hmm. all the time, and just lying. That's also annoying. Because you just came lying. back from yeah, the enemy yeah, lines. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> and he got punched in the mouth a lot. His mouth got him beat up all the time. From what one soldier said after Mike got punched, he'd flop around on the ground, <laughs> and then he'd just lay there. That was his defense mechanism, was playing possum. Yeah, he Aww. became a soccer player, like a little fainting goat. <laughs> now, Warnke only spent six months overseas during the Vietnam War, and most of the time wasn't even spent in Vietnam. Half of, like, half of it was in Vietnam, the other half was in Okinawa. But by the time he returned to the United States in 1970, he got dropped right into the middle of what was known as the Jesus Movement. Mm-hmm. Self-described as Jesus Freaks, 
the Jesus movement was made up of former hippies who had gotten rattled by the loose morals of free love and expanded consciousness. To salve their emotional wounds, these people turned to Jesus Christ, but held on to many of the trappings of hippiedom. A lot mm-hmm. of it was done by the organizers mm-hmm. to keep, because the, the idea was to move with the changing times yep. in order to keep Jesus relevant to a bunch of hippies. Mm-hmm. Jesus had long hair and also, didn't Jesus have piercings? He yeah. did. Whoa. In his hands. In Whoa. his hands. Whoa. Yes, and in the side, he had a piercing in his side. Whoa. Whoa. Long hair and stinky, man. Yeah, he was stinky too, just like Just like Bill Lesh. Yeah, stunky. Now, as you might remember, the Jesus movement ended up being wildly damaging, producing multiple cults, including, but not limited to, the Children of God, who were among the most disturbing organizations we've ever covered. And, uh, of course, massive political change as well. Absolutely. Massive. Apparently, Jesus freaks didn't like mental institutions. Nope. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Nope. And it was in this movement that Mike Warnke saw an opportunity. Soon after he returned from overseas, he began telling tall tales at a non-denominational Christian center in Anaheim, California, a place called Melody Land. Inspired by authors Why like... Do I feel like it's surrounded by braces. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Inspired by authors like William Guy Carr, Warnke started telling stories about eating fingers and drinking urine and blood. And before long, he had 45 minutes of Satan material mixed with five minutes of Jesus. And tragically, people listened and people believed. For the first time in his life, people were finally paying attention to what Mike Warnke had to say. And it's there with Mike's epiphany that will pick back up for the conclusion to our story. Yes. It's unbelievable because you know for a fact someone's on the drive over there, maybe in a nice station wagon, and they're like, honey, you're going to love this urine and blood bit he does. You're <laughs> you are going to love it. It's insane. Dude, it's what happened. I it know. went like it was a Gallagher show, and this was half the material for each one of these. Yep. Oh, it was, it my was gosh. Back and forth between mm-hmm. fucking harrowing satanic details and his bullshit about Teflon. Yeah. But we'll see next episode how this his fucking little innocent goofy goofs would go to f- become a movement that would fuck with America specifically yeah. Yeah. for an inde- for a decade. Yeah. Oh, more than that. We're for, still I mean, we're seeing it now. We're seeing the same more shit. than that. No, you can. I mean, this that's is a the, quarter of American history almost. I mean, you can trace a direct line from Mike Warnke uh, to January sixth. Yep. It's insane. I One mean, the, and then probably also, you know, we've a little detour to Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah, a little bit. Um, Waco is yeah. a little bit in there. Love it's it. kind of fun well, how all of those tragedies they're all kind of combined by I don't know what it. Is I don't know what it is, but they're all, all combined right. by something. Well, you mentioned OKC. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs> OKC, Sacramento, and Salt Lake City. Thank you all so much. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll yeah, you fucking on. better have. Well, we'll keep you. Uh, yeah, you fucking pieces enter- of shit. Entertain the I'm best so, we can. So sorry. Um, all right, keep on supporting all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. Well, we got Sprinkle Jack Coffee. Yeah, you know I can buy some of that. Because it can be yeah. good. Got that Ab- Mothman blend. Super Abs- delicious. Absolutely. Keep on supporting all the small businesses. Uh, it's, it gives us a great uh, pleasure to help out people uh, just like us who are just trying to make ends meet in this wild, wild world. And speaking of small businesses, don't forget that Soul Plumber number one yeah, baby. comes out next Wednesday, October 5th. Woo. So go to your local comic book store and buy, buy, buy issue number one. Go check it out. I think y'all will really fucking love it. It's really 
really cool, especially if you've enjoyed today's episode. Soul Plumber's right up your fucking alley. For those of you interested in reading Soul Plumber online, we actually also have a fun announcement where you get a free month of DC Universe if you use the code Soul Plumber. That is S O U L P L U M B E R. Soul Plumber, one word. Get yourself a free month. Dude, it is so cool. We're getting uh, emails from John McRae showing the the artwork. I don't know how people draw, so yeah. but he does an amazing job, and it's so freaking funny. You guys are going to love it. All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Gein. Magustalations. In me. But I don't want you to hail me. You know no, what I mean? In yeah. a way, I don't uh, want you to, and- to fucking follow me. I get it. I release you. You're free. You're free. Don't listen to the hucksters. Listen to your heart. That's right. Listen to your heart. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream is a total chocolate game changer. We start with unbelievably creamy dark chocolate ice cream. Then we add different chocolate treats, like chocolate cookies, chocolate cake, or chocolate brownies, to make four decadent chocolate flavors. Because sometimes the thing that pairs best with chocolate (laughs) is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix.